0: Love Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to tonight's episode of The Dash. I'm Dawn Wright Olivares. This is my co-host, Peter Mingles. Peter's here. Peter's here. <clears throat> and uh, we've had a really, really interesting and fun day. And, uh, you know, Peter, why don't you just share a little bit, because I, <clears throat> I just choked, so I'm <laughs> struggling a little
1: bit. All right, so you put me in the position of, Oh, good. Dawn's starting it out, so I don't have to worry about what to say, and then you have to go choking on me. So, so this is where you get a chance to push anything other than the red button.
0: Okay. I can do a few minutes on my
1: own, but not the whole thing. I'm only kidding. Thanks for being here. Go ahead. Choke away. Tell me, you Pat, three times if you need us to call 911. You know? Okay. All right. Well, it's kind of interesting because we were talking about utopia, and what that You know, whatever person's version of is, I'm very much the kind where, like, I can give you my definition of success, but it's kind of like I can give you the general one that people would like um, maybe to hear if somebody says, you know, what's success? But the actual, you know, specifics of the definition would be way different probably for everyone because I really think, like, success, like a fingerprint, would be a little bit unique for everyone. So, I heard a long time ago Earl Nightingale use an expression. I might botch it up a little bit, but here's my version that I teach. Oh, who, by the way, Earl Nightingale was a gentleman who um, started off in sales, ran his own company, hooked up together with Vic Conan, and formed an organization called Nightingale Conan. if that's where people have ever heard that stuff before. And when I was growing up, this is where I would go buy my audio cassettes from. So Nightingale Conant, run by Vic uh, Conant, and then Earl Nightingale, who had a very deep voice great for the radio I'm sure and uh, talked about the definition of success being a progressive realization towards a worthy I'm going to use my word goal he called it an ideal so it's a progressive realization towards a worthwhile goal and I said that's really unique because it does capture like the whole version of it so the beginning struggles the middle maybe successes the end's really successful and everything else in between which is kind of like our little dash theme, so the progressive realization of a worthy goal and how do you judge success and how do you either let yourself up or down. So I remember that. And I remember that on the uh, box, so this is a stretch, so I'm jumping. Let me, whenever I skip... Subjects, I'm going to let you guys know, so this way you know I'm just skipping subjects on you.
0: And then we can see if this is Barb over here, Peter, go so I'm Barb. not going to say anything for a roll. minute. That's okay. Right. Like,
1: yeah, go grab a glass of water or something like that. <laughs> go pet a dog. Okay. Stuff, I'll be right back. So anyway, so back to my thing. I used to sell vacuums for a company whose brand name was Electrolux. So for those people old enough that remember that brand name, that's what I did. It's still available, but that's a different story. What happened was we had something written on the box built to last for 20 years. So it was better by design was the phrase that they used, built or better by design. So I learned a long time ago that I could either let life happen or maybe I might be able to design my own. So I'd be responsible for it because we'd always say you're responsible, you're going to live and die by your decisions. And then I also learned something that was really deep for me um when i was first training and that training went like this you are where you are and who you are because of what's gone in your mind and what you've done with it and chances are you're the result of where you are based on all the decisions that you've made over the last 2 to 5 years so if you start to really think about where you are and who you are and then start to think about all the decisions that you've made over the last 2 to 5 years you might find that That's true. So I had gone to the college that I went to, largely because of my decision. I ate the food that I ate, largely because of my decision. You know, grew up from the kitchen table away from mom, you know, so she used to make the food for me, but as an adult, I used to kind of figure out what I was going to eat on my own. Uh, Where I took a part-time or a full-time job, what I pursued, you know, that was really kind of true. I was where I was and who I was based on the decisions that I've made over the last two to five years, and I never really thunk it through. Like, no one ever explained it that simply for me, so I said to my boss at the time, his name is Joe, still is, I said, Joe, let me see if I got this right. If that's true, and I just heard this motivational speaker say something like that, or you said it, if where I am now is based on the decisions I've made over the last two to five years, could I be... Where I want to be In two to five years Based on the decisions I make today So just kind of think that through Could I really be Where or who I want to be Two to five years from now Based on the decisions I make today Like wait a minute Joe Mm -hmm. I'm in control of this from both sides The past and the future Mm -hmm. So the little better by design on the box that said these things are built to last for 20 years kind of coincided with the realization that wait a minute I'm kind of responsible for a lot of the things not all of them but you got to live your life I think thinking that you're responsible so and wait a minute I also get a chance to determine where I'm going to be in two to 5 years and I learned something a long time ago three words I am responsible I am responsible. So everything that happened, I always took the blame. For the credit, I am responsible. I am responsible. I said that to myself so many times, and you know what i found most of the times? I at least had a – uh, I'm going to jump again uh, – a, a participating role in the movie of my life.
0: <laughs> participating role in the movie. I I got like it, yeah, I was
1: like an actor in my own life. Now, there were other yeah. players, yeah. <laughs> yeah but I'd always figure out where I'd be my own actor in my own movie. And I would say, I'm responsible, I'm responsible, I'm responsible, I'm responsible. And even for the things that I wasn't, I always figured out that I could have been. so Or at least had something to do with it. So if you live your life a little bit like me, like one big guinea pig, one big (laughs) social experiment, like testing stuff on me, you know, and, and, and I just said, well, wait a minute, what if I live my life that way? What if I live my life where I could get whatever I was looking for, which would be kind of scary because sometimes you're doing stuff without right knowledge. So you realize it's probably going to be a journey and have a little bit of sense of humor for it and be willing to deal with everything that happens. And if you could somehow map your own course in the next two to five years because you are mostly responsible, then I guess Earl was right. Am I successful today because it's that progressive realization of a worthwhile goal or idea. And then the real big question was, so what's it going to look like? So okay, what so,
0: is it? so So I got I to gotta stick a shoe in here because our special guest has um, a very important priority that she must get back to in about six minutes, and that was the perfect segue into why we asked her to come back on because that. That persistent action and all of the things that she's been doing for all of this time has absolutely beyond the shadow of a doubt created today for her and Today started with a phone call and her screaming like a crazy person <clears throat> excited in my ear to where I started to cry, and Barbara, are you here? I am here, okay, so just just you do it you. Tell the whole thing.
1: We need a Kleenex alert. Hold on. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we need a Kleenex alert. We do. They're not they're not our sponsors yet, but we need a Kleenex alert. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I started on this journey um in October. I um applied to a company for seventeen different positions, overqualified, underqualified, um, for any job I could think of to get in there. And I finally had an interview for a scientist position in December, and this morning I got the call that I got the job. And, uh,
1: I was hold on, hold on. I've got to give you my dollar store sound effects. This is the
0: clapper
2: <laughs> Well, thank you, Peter. And um, it, I have been seeing myself working there, um, visualizing that every single day since the interview, walking down the hall, saying hello to people, and um, the past three days before I even knew I had the job, I was driving to work, <laughs> like I worked there, and um, it happened, and here I am, pretty excited. So, so let me just, <laughs> so I, I, I techni- got to...
1: Technically I, speaking, you would not be able to buy a gun, because I don't think they allow people that show up for the work, the job that they don't have, for <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think I think you would be not qualified to be able to buy a gun based on no, that. trying <laughs> crazy. Yeah, she, this <laughs> out crazy. This chick's showing mm-hmm. up and she's making a U turn at the gate. She didn't even get up.
0: the job. I know. She, well, so Peter, this this happened because she was really, really. And then uh, we talked to the other day. Um, and for anybody who did not hear the setting your intentions episode, the Thursday after New Year's, go back and listen to that one because <clears throat> you're going to hear all the backstory on Barb. And you're going to hear a lot about the obstacles that she's had to overcome to be able to get to the I am a scientist scream for Boehringer Ingelheim yeah. <laughs> that I got today in my ear. But on Saturday, it was it Saturday or Friday, whichever day it was, she was feeling Saturday. really, really down because she didn't get the call on Friday. <clears throat> so it was another really long wait between Friday when they closed and Monday morning. And, you know, everybody out there has to understand that, you know, you heard her on the Setting Your Intentions episode, stoked. And you but, hear you know, her we, should, no, we should
1: do, hold on, she's got limited time, so we're going to yeah. talk about her when she goes. But Barbara, okay. is there any- yeah, we've we got to fill <laughs> up the rest of the 40 minutes. <laughs> well, I want you to just
0: share about how you were feeling on Saturday, because, like, it's, a, it's like, easy to get snapshots of snapshot, happy to happy, But go through a little bit about the process from the last time you were on the show till today, because that's really important.
2: It was the waiting game, and um, knowing a couple weeks ago, hearing that I would get an offer letter at the end of the week, at the beginning of the week, and it not coming, and um, I was really in a panic about it, and I thought, well, what could have happened? What did I do? Um, kind of thing and yeah there were those getting down moments Um, I you know made a couple phone calls and I didn't get a call back and I sent a couple emails and I didn't get an email back and then I did on Thursday saying that they were just waiting for my background to clear and I started to doubt myself and think that you know, oh, that's not it. It's a stall tactic. I think that's what I said to Dawn. I think it's just a stall <laughs> yeah, tactic. Yeah, you were certain that it was a credit <laughs> check and that you had not gotten this job. Yes, I really was. And, uh, you know, Dawn said, get up and go to work. And I was like, what, is she crazy? And she said, get up and go to work. And so on Saturday morning, I did just that.
1: When my daughter's nurse got here,
2: I got in the car and I drove there like I was going to work. And um, I did that on Sunday as a loyal employee that I am. And I also did that yesterday and this morning I got the phone call. But there was a lot of doubt. Um, there was a lot of moping going on over here and uh, a lot of self-doubt and You know, even to the point of regretting the fact that I even got a degree in biology, I thought, why didn't I just get a degree in business? And uh, it was all of that going on. What the mind
0: can do. Did you hear that? She actually regretted getting a biology degree. (laughs) I did. I was like,
2: well, that was a stupid thing to do and a big waste of money. And um, I'm not feeling that way today.
1: You need to listen to this radio station more frequently. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> this uh, it's whipping been rough. Into an emotional frenzy. Like, <laughs> yeah, I pretty,
2: much, pretty much did do that. I was all over the place, and then I was like, no, I definitely have the job. And then, you know, an hour later, I'd be like, oh, no, something happened, and I didn't get it. So <laughs> I went through all of that the past couple weeks. It's been um, hard and difficult. But underneath it all, I still had the faith that, you know, I said from the get-go, I was going to get a job there, and this was going to be my title. And even though there was the doubt here and there, I think underneath it all, I still had that intention that Mm -hmm. this was going to be my job. Absolutely.
0: Because anybody who gets up and drives to work every morning is, they might be struggling with the metote, which is what the Toltec Indians call it, the, the chatter of the mind. But uh, if you're you're getting up and going to work every day for three days, um, for a job you don't have yet, then you are still pretty clear. <laughs> yes, yes, I definitely was pretty clear.
2: And <laughs> even getting out of my pajamas to do it. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> I did the whole thing. I figured if I was going to get up and go to my job, I might as well get dressed for
0: it. Uh, for sure, for sure. Could you imagine? <laughs> you, can you imagine the security guard? There's this woman. She, she keeps pulling in in these Tweety Bird pajamas. With... <laughs> I'm <not> exactly. Really...
2: <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't start waving to me yesterday. He'll be waving when you pull in. Yes, I I'm <laughs> so happy that I stuck with it and underneath even with the doubt underneath it all, I still kept my intentions very clear. Peter,
0: this is a really good time for you to mention what you because I have the same emotional roller coaster, Barb. I do. We all do. I can't. I mean, maybe Peter doesn't because he's the one who always talks me out of getting on my emotional roller coaster whenever he has the 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 ability to do that. Sometimes I'm pretty committed to getting on.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you bought the free pass. You yeah. The share, free pass. share a
0: little bit about that, Peter.
1: Well, I, I've learned a, a, a lot of things. And first of all, she did a lot of things right. So Mm -hmm. she she applied 17 different times. She did get that degree. She did a lot of things right. She is the person that they could hire. Um, She was committed to doing things. She visualized. I mean, she did a lot of things right. The cool thing about it is that you can sometimes do things like, you know, I'm not going to say wrong But a lot of the stuff that sometimes rolls around their heads is us using our creative energy maybe the wrong way. So we look into things. And that they didn't call, it might mean that maybe there was something else going on, that they didn't check or that they did check maybe something. And we're really, really, really good at selling ourselves into this who knows what's going on. And, Barb, only because you're tied in with Dawn by friendship, you're probably pretty good at it, and you can get the mood swings all over the place. So... (laughs) What I learned a long time ago was those were for me like the emotional roller coaster and I'll, i i've I've been cured of that a couple of times, but this I'll give one example of what happened in the direct sales profession. It's always a roller coaster if you have a lot of people working for you, some people are hitting some people aren't hitting, and the key is just to have to make sure that most people are you know some some of your sales force is going to be really cranking and some force is going to be not so much. And if you have a big enough sales force, it kind of all evens out. And then sometimes there would be things that happen from the home office and all that other sort of stuff. Or maybe am I going to be passed up for a promotion? Is this other guy going to get it? What's going to happen with this if they change the compensation plan, whatever? And one time I overheard my wife speak to a friend of hers on the phone, and she was talking about me. And she says, oh, yeah, yep, he's there, and I'm like, "Uh, who's he? It's me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't even talking. She didn't realize I was paying attention. And she says, yeah, he goes through this. You know, you get about, you know, he's up and down and up and down and up and down. That's okay. He's going to be down for about three days, and then all of a sudden he's going to hire a new guy, turn the whole thing around, and he's going to be fine again. He's just got, it's almost like a woman's menstrual cycle. He's just on his whatever this month. And, And my moods would flow up and down like that, and I said to myself, she's right. She's right. I allow the business to sometimes determine my attitude or all these other things, and I whip myself on this emotional roller coaster. So I'm real big on visualizing stuff the same way you kind of are, but I just make myself part of the motion picture. And I think about a roller coaster and the emotional twists and turns and ups and downs, and there are some times where I just don't need that much drama in my life. So I just say I make a conscious decision not – to step on the roller coaster So whatever if you've ever been To a roller coaster like at a carnival And you know that little gate that they kind of let you go through I always kind of mentally see Myself at that gate and I ask Myself do you want to take this one And I say <laughs> no not, not this one I just think I'm going to skip the emotional roller coaster And it's a little mental game that I Play with myself But everybody knows when they're Stepping on it And if you're, here's the here's the thing When you're really good at something, you are really good at something, and it kind of goes both ways. So if you're really good at that emotional roller coaster, you could give yourself a space mountain like you've never seen. And and especially when the stakes are high, right, because the stakes were high for you. Yes. Especially if it's the end of that many-month dream, and then not getting it might seem to be devastating, and it wouldn't have been because people like you figure it out anyway, and sometimes it opens up doors of opportunities for you. At least that's what we somehow console ourselves with. But the reality is as long as you're constantly moving in that forward direction, like I said, the progressive realization of that worthwhile ideal or that worthwhile goal, you'll get it most of the time. And I love the entrepreneurial story. And I've got to tell you, I am so happy. I am so happy you got that job.
3: Thank but, you.
1: But, but if you didn't, I wouldn't be worried because you're still Barb. Like, Thank and that's you. still you. So that's where the Kleenex moment comes out for me. So whether <laughs> you got it or you didn't, it doesn't matter because you brought you with it. Now, yeah. the fun part about this is when, when people say go to work, I really need you to kind of visualize. Don said go to work. That doesn't mean get busy doing something, she meant. Drive there. Like, no, you don't get it. Like, I want to hear the ignition key start. Like, I need to hear the gas pedal and the brake. Like, go to work. Drive to work as if it's already a done deal. And I don't know why or if that works, but it does seem that there's something out there that kind of looks favorably on people that go that extra mile. When they commit themselves, I don't know if it's like a mental telepathy thing. I don't know how to explain it. Some people might say it's something cosmic or, you know, karmic or who knows how to describe it. But all I do know that it works a lot. So <laughs> when when you were like that playful stalker, you know, submitting 17 applications for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm overqualified for this. I'm underqualified for this. Just let me in. <laughs> Just let me in like a lunatic trying to get in there. And I play that playfully, lunatic part. But just this woman on a mission, Mm -hmm. that means something. And I know as an employer, if I had to pick, who would I want? The social stalker? The woman that shows up in her pajamas on a Sunday, even though we're not open. The the guard who calls in and says, I don't know if we need to have this woman checked out or not. (laughs) You might have self-inflicted a little bit more of your background check than necessary, if you know what I mean. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. So when they called me up and said, do you know Barb? I'm like, yeah, just give her the job. I mean, she's really committed to this. <laughs> She does everything we kind of tell her to do. And if she's, standing she's on her
0: seriously feet, not going to take no for an answer. <laughs> yeah, she's really, like,
1: you really just want to hire this gal. So yeah, I, I'm
0: pretty excited.
1: Whatever it was. But awesome. I do know that all things being considered, all of those things do help.
2: Yeah, for so sure. So I am
1: like, again... Like my little dollar store clapper is clapping like crazy. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. So I'm welcome.
0: I'm so happy right now. You're so welcome.
1: Yep. Now and, really and awesome. I don't know. You know and I knew maybe, that
0: you said that you had to go yep. and take care of Summer, so we will we yeah, will cut fine. you loose for we're sure. There, we're supposed to get we were supposed to get two to four inches of snow here, and I've heard now
2: it's gone to six. And immediately when that happens, even though we live in New England and our weather changes on a dime, they still call out, even with four-wheel drive So
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a long night. Yes, it is. All right, sweetheart, thank you so much for coming and sharing. And this Thanks is this for one. having That's me, and thanks for everything. And good stuff.
2: Everyone, just keep your intention clear, and you can do it.
1: That's right. And this Absolutely. is where you hang up. So this is where you hang up. Goodbye. See you later. Goodbye. goodbye. Yes, goodbye. Okay, <laughs> now,
0: Peter, we have this lady, Darlene, who actually she, she called in earlier, I went to screen with her, and we had a little chat. Darlene, are you still here? Yes, I am. Okay, well, she didn't know this, how she ended up getting to right at this moment, but she said she wanted to chat with us for a minute, so I just wanted to go ahead. Darlene, have you ever had any of these types of experiences? You have? Are
3: you living your own utopia right now? Oh, yes. Well, share a little bit with us. Well... As Peter knows, I'm working on a project. Uh, do I say the name?
1: <laughs> you can say whatever you want.
3: Uh, okay. Well, I'm working on a project called uh, The Ideal Network. And um, it has flowed out of my things. Why does everything always go right for me and everybody else it seems to go wrong for? What's going on here? What am I doing <laughs> different? <laughs> and suddenly you start saying, gee, I must be weird because you know and etc anyway then you begin sabotaging yourself because you think that's not normal and and, uh, and there is a you know anyway i came up with this dynamic and what peter was saying in the very beginning and using the word ideal um i do everything around life love laughter liberty it is the direction that you take yourself in and peter started off the conversation this evening with, um, you know, if if what I did brought me to this point, then doesn't it make common sense that I look at the choices that I've made and I keep the choices, doing the choices that are producing the desired result and eliminating those that aren't producing desired result? It just seemed like common sense to me. But then I figured out, and finally I guess have come to the realization that common sense isn't so common
0: anymore <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before,
3: yeah, so basically you know um i'm very I'm very much on an adventure like you all are is is um you know is sharing this uh it's all about choices, it's about the relationships that we make with ourselves to start with. it is really all about relationships. Everything in our environment, everything we do is the relationship we build with it. We either attach ourselves to it or we let it pass on by. I so. totally and Dar-
0: agree. Darlene,
1: mm-hmm. is, Darlene is just a really great spirit because she believes in people being self-sufficient, people empowering themselves, people doing the right things. So she does it in every step of the way. She does it with Uh, the food that people put in their bodies, the thoughts that people think, the mechanisms that they use, the mastermind groups that they belong to, the political nature of everything else as well. So when we talk about the whole package, Darlene's got the whole thing. And then facing the same challenge that we all face is, wait a minute, why why are we just talking about Darlene? Shouldn't we be talking about a whole entire community of people and why aren't most people thinking that way? So... For whatever reason, a lot of people have sold themselves out of that these things are even possible. So Darlene is as dogged determination as anybody I've ever seen to make sure that we do the things that we need to do, including on this radio station, to help get people sold again. on These things are possible, and we have a great country and a great nation and great things that are happening, but left to their own devices Other people might have a different agenda. So what can we do collectively to help people? So whether it's with food or nutrition or whether it's through associations or masterminds or technology, how can we bridge all those things together and have them come together to be able to help the greater good? So she is one of the people that we – she's like one of those kindred spirits. And hopefully Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people out there that are just like us. So we, we, we applaud Barb for going the extra mile, because we know most people would never do that. As an employer, how many if you're an employer, how many people do you really have that go after a job like Barb went after working for that company? The answer to that question is there's not many. There's probably just Barb, you know, and maybe there should, maybe it should be taught. Maybe it should be something else that people kind of hear about that it's even possible, and that's what people do when they want to make a difference and there's probably a whole bunch of people listening in that either never knew it or forgot about it, now we're waking them up. So Mm -hmm. now we're waking them up. So the constant never-ending stream of information about building your life by design is possible. So Barb took the progressive steps towards that worthwhile ideal. Darlene, I know, I know Darlene will, like, when, when it's over for Darlene, she will still be pursuing the active dream, the same thing for people like myself and you and probably a whole bunch of listeners as well. So the Ideal Network is one of those things, and she works together with me with my regular company as well to collectively get that stuff done in addition to everything else that we do on a regular basis. So I, I applaud Darlene calling in. So she, she's a kindred spirit. She's got some great things, and we'll bring up some of the specific things that she has going on. Dawn, Dawn and other topics. So I appreciate her being here. Absolutely. Thanks for, the, thanks, for the, thanks for coming, darling. She is here. Could I add, could I add
3: one more thing? Sure. Yeah. If you if the if you've not read it, not gotten the audio yet of Napoleon Hill's <laughs> Outwitting the Devil, you gotta get it. Because if this had been released in 1938, when he originally had this encounter, had this, and wrote this manuscript, everyone, we would be completely have utopia now. We would definitely have an ideal civilization. Because what he points out, and I said about relationships, what he points out in there is there's two, we always have at least two selves. And the question is, which self do we build a relationship with? And it's our choices. And uh, Outwitting the Devil is just, I mean, it's one of those, I played the um, the audio for my grandkids whenever they're here, and it's, a, it's almost a six-hour audio, and they will sit and listen to it. It has just made so much a difference in their lives by understanding that which re- which self are you talking with now? Which is controlling me now? And I'm hearing my grandkids, uh, even the young ones, saying, okay, which self am I listening to now? And it's, it's really, you know, it's powerful to get that understanding that it's either the good nature of us that's going to produce the happy things, the life-empowering things, the healthy things, or making choices with the other self that's, going to take us towards death and dying so one path takes you towards life and living which is what the ideal network dynamic is about is i do everything around life and love and liberty okay if you stop and think about those letters that's exactly what ideal means or we're taking the other one towards death and dying which path are we taking it's that simple Anyway, I just thought I'd make a plug for Napoleon Hill tonight. <laughs> uh, Napoleon
0: Hill always deserves a plug. Um, super quick, just to go ahead and 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 kind of ride on on what you were saying. Um, you know what? What I believe is so. Cr- you know what? Forget it. I got distracted and I lost what I was saying. Carry on, Peter.
1: Okay. Well, we were talking about we were going to start to talk about Utopia. Mm-hmm. as far as those types of things. And we know that for, for Barb, she had her goals and she hit it, and that's a wonderful thing. And then, you know, the the thing is, is okay, so what's your next two to five years going to look like? And what is the progressive realization? And when you're going through whatever you're going through, that may be part of the process. And just to kind of understand that's part of the process. But if you have the goals over the next two to five, and then you really, as you start to kind of figure it out, you really run, well, if you're like me, and some people might be and some people might not be, But you already run across the idea that you're a really good salesman. And what I mean by you're a really good salesman is you've sold yourself on a lot of things already. So you sold yourself on your self-limiting beliefs, how much money you might be able to make, what you can do and what you can't do. And maybe just some of that was that you whipping yourself into that emotional frenzy based on previous experiences or stuff that you don't even know or maybe things that were planted into your mind that you're either consciously or not consciously aware of and then all of a sudden you say wait a minute what what is possible so what is my and this is the hard part what is my defining moment what does it look like maybe when it's done and then that would be one thing that you really have to question almost everything that you're thinking why do i think that way is this the right person, like Darlene said, or the wrong person that I'm listening to? And really start to come across, like, what is possible? What is possible? If you really think it through, you can do a lot of stuff. You can change your life. For, for you, Dawn, sometimes you've changed where you've lived. For other people, they can change their physical reality. For some people, they can change what they're doing for a living. Two to five years is a really great time to be able to start to map the path but the scary part is, what path? I'm not sure. What have I sold myself into? Is it going to be doing what I'm doing right now? For Barb, like, was it going to really be biology? You know, if it, if it wasn't this one, was she going to change her path? Maybe it should have been business. We don't know. So that's the cool thing, but the scary part and the variable part. But I'm going to share with you, if you don't figure it out, it's going to happen for you, and you might not end up where you want to be. So you had a couple of exercises you wanted to mention, Dawn, on like how do you figure out where this is. And I don't know if it's really ever, you know, I think it kind of changes over time as well. So where is it going to be best bet for now? So let's talk about some of those things that you wanted to talk about relative to finding that utopia.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so there's a couple of exercises, and one of them is, is one of my favorites because, you know, one of the things that, a lot of us are guilty of, and and I'm sure everyone's been guilty of this at least once in their lives, is not necessarily being completely honest about the reflection we're seeing in the mirror at every given time. And you know, there's 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 this little thing that that, that I did in an exercise where you know you close your eyes, and let's just all pretend that we're we're on a helicopter, we're blindfolded, we've got water and food enough for exactly 24 hours. We've got a map and we've got a compass and we're going to be dropped, blindfolded, exactly 24 hours away from Phoenix, Arizona, or, or our destination, okay? We're going to be 24 hours away from this particular place. And as we're being dropped off, okay, now the only we we need to know two things to get to Phoenix or wherever it is we're going. We need two things and and if you're if you're if you're with me with this little visualization, okay, when you get out of the helicopter and you're standing there in the desert, there are two things that you absolutely need to know in order to get where you're going before you run out of food and water, okay. One of them is where you're going, and that's where this utopia, creating your own utopia, and some of the stuff that we're playing with and drawing with crayons about and doing all sorts of, you know, crazy things like driving to work every day to a job you don't have yet. (laughs) Barb knew where she wanted to be. Okay, so that's one. Peter, and not to put you on the spot, but what's the other one? Do you know?
1: As far as what?
0: To be able to get to where you want to go, you know where that is.
1: Well, for what, me, it's for me, it's always going to be how. Right, so and what are my and next
0: steps? where are you right, right now?
1: Yeah, GPS. Where am GPS. I starting from?
0: I've, yeah, you need your origin, originating point, you know, point of origin, because you could go ahead and plot a course to Phoenix, Arizona. But if you're below Phoenix and you think it's, you know, if you think you're above Phoenix. You're going to go 24 hours in the wrong direction. And so most people are really, really uncomfortable with taking a real snapshot of a self-analysis, you know. But when you walk into any mall and you want to go find that favorite pair of holy jeans and you're going to go to Abercrombie & Fitch, there is always a you are here on the map. Because... It's irrelevant where Abercrombie and Fitch is if you don't know where you are. (laughs) It's impossible to get where you're going if you don't know where you are right now. And so really super important to go ahead and be willing to actually look, you know. And a lot of people use that as a time to pull out a hammer and beat oneself with it. But, you know, all of us can go ahead and take a look at our current lives, whether we're five pounds overweight or maybe not five, um, or we are a little older than we wanted to be when we got to this place in our life and this place might be twenty grand a year less than what we thought we'd want to be making. Whatever the coulda, shoulda, wouldas are, they're not relevant when doing a quick self-analysis to figure out where you are in the mall. I mean, let's put it this way. We walk into the one side of the mall, and, well, oh, we just realized that it's further than we thought. We should have parked at the other door. Do we sit around at that mall, map going, you know, I really can't believe I did that. Now I have to walk all the way out of the other side of the mall. No. If we're closer than we thought we were, we're like, yay, I'm closer than I thought. If we're a little further away, we're like, oh, okay, that's right, I should have parked at that door. And we, it's a self-knowledge. It's a quick moment of, yeah, I got it and next time I'll park at that door. But we don't sit around feeling sorry for ourselves, beating ourselves up about it, and going on and on in our own lovely ways <laughs> to go ahead and beat ourselves up so that we feel bad about ourselves. That's never, ever a strong um, time spent, you know. It's just not strong time spent. So it's so super important to go ahead and move on. Be Be aware and, you know, do the self-check and move on. And then once you figure out, okay, this is where I'm at, you know, I, and and this is where I've been because here's a super important thing. If you've been making the same money every single year for the past five years and you know that you want to double the amount of money that you're making this year, it's a really nice thing to be able to see what you've done to make sure that you've made exactly the money that you've been making for the past three to five years because then you know that's not what's going to get you to double the money, okay? Um, it's it's good to do a self-check. It's good to see what we've been doing over and over. And then the next piece is going to be, how do I determine what I want, okay? And this one, Peter, I mean, I know we both have some things to say about this. Um, I personally have the problem. I don't get white paper, uh, white paper disease or whatever they call it, where writers block where it's just oh gosh I can't think of anything I get that whenever somebody asks me for the three people I know you know for those personal referrals <laughs> like I know thousands or hundreds of thousands of people when I have to put three down I always go Whoa. but when it comes down to what do I want in life there's I can I can sit all day and create wonderful little dreams because I'm a I'm a dreamer by nature I'm trained to, I've trained myself to dream. And to be really childlike in those dreams, I, I have everything that I want in my life, but I could sit down for 30 minutes and, and write all of the fun places I want to go and the things that I want to experience without issue. Um, if you're not one of those people, okay, then the exercise will be to go ahead and let yourself dream because some people really get stuck there, you know. And if you're really struggling with that, find someone like me. Find some If you have a six-year-old in your life, they're not going to have trouble with this. Go play with them. If you want somebody who's, you know, definitely maybe over four feet tall, look for, if you're in a home business, look for your upline leader. I don't say your upline sponsor because they might be your next-door neighbor. They might be at the same job you're at, and they might not be at the place where dream building is really comfortable for them yet either. So look for somebody who you see that is getting the things that they want or that you want in your life. Because one of the strongest things anybody can ever do for themselves is to hitch their wagon to, to somebody else's wagon or hitch uh, to somebody else's whatever coach that's going in the direction that you want to go. So, if somebody is out there that you have in your life that you can pick up a telephone or send an email to that's going and you know kicking ass and taking names in their life and it's really something that's powerful for for you to watch and it's something that's a really strong role model for you, give them a call you know and and get, i can't I can't impress how important the buddy system is in everything that we do. What are your thoughts on that, Peter?
1: Well, when it's the right person, it's probably one of the most powerful things because you have a tendency of uh, leveraging uh, your efforts through other people. Sometimes you'll do more for someone else than you might do for yourself. Mm -hmm. And the other part, too, is many times it's just going to be like, I'm going to make sure that you stay on track so I can stay on track, too. So finding the right person who has the right chemistry that could be working with you could really mean the difference between success and failure. It's really, really, really hard to be able to do it all on your own. So, you know, you need somebody like a running buddy. And if you're working with other people, your ability to connect them to their own running buddies probably also going to determine your level of freedom as well. So whoever that person is. And it it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, like, the perfect person. It could be just like someone like you that's going to be going to work and showing up no matter what. If you go into the gym, it's somebody that shows up at 745 like you agreed upon. And sometimes you'll be stronger and sometimes they'll be stronger, but that's just the way it works. So I really believe in buddy systems and the mastermind group as well, and this being a certain variation, if you will, of the mastermind group because you hear the same positive message over and over and over again.
0: Uh, Oh, yeah. I I think that the mastermind is is probably one of the most exceptional tools out there. Um, Quickly. If anybody has ever um, heard of the workshop cycle, there is one of the most powerful uh, visualizations that I have ever experienced. And maybe we can go ahead and, and do one. If maybe I can get Dan Dor to come on and, and walk us through one within the next week, we will absolutely do a. And, and we need at least, I'd say, twenty minutes for it. So I don't want to monopolize this, but maybe we can go ahead and, and do a recorded version of it as well. Um, but I got to tell you. In creating my utopia, and one of the things that's one of the really cool tools out there, there is a visualization called creating your workshop. And in the subconscious mind, okay, meaning the one when we close our eyes and we see the six-foot fuzzy bunny, (laughs) there is a place that we can all invent called the workshop. And it is truly one of my favorite things that we could possibly do, so maybe we'll schedule that for tomorrow and uh, and and I'll I'll put something up on the blog for it as well, Peter. Perfect. Oh.
1: Okay. Perfect. And then <laughs> and then the things that I always like to to, to look at for myself, or the we're trying to find out where, what's going to make me happy, mm-hmm. is the concept of how do I handle the 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 the, the whole entire process. I'll, I'll use an example. I was working with a gentleman a little bit earlier today, who has had his ups and downs and, and and lots of things relative to a business and now he's really doing a very good job doing some pretty amazing things. And I we always remember of like what did what did success look like for you? If we were to kinda of work backwards, do you remember the day that you were telling me I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like I have to do something different and I don't know what that's gonna be. Well and then you went to work. And when you went to work, you kind of put it out on paper. And when you went to work, you kind of found your passion. And, and your vision got a little bit clearer day by day. And it was struggling. And you remember when it was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to be able to buy food this week. And then as you worked on this on a regular basis, oh, my gosh, goodness, we might actually be able to go out to eat. And then, <laughs> oh, my gosh, now look at this. And now over the last, I'd say, two years, He's, he's been able to create something really wonderful. But I said, but always remember what the whole journey and the process looked like. For him, it was a two- to five-year journey, kind of hit it in two. Um, if it took five, it would take five, but at least then he got where he wanted to be. But it was always the scary part, and that's what I think most people kind of like. How do you read that? How do you process that information? When you're having a hard time, does that mean you're not successful, And by the Earl Nightingale definition, success is the progressive realization of that worthwhile goal or ideal. So I guess even on those days where you're sitting with that blank piece of paper, not really sure what I was going to do, maybe oddly and weirdly enough, you were successful that day. And somebody might say, well, my banker didn't say so, and my wife didn't say so, and all my friends didn't say so. How in the world can I consider myself successful for that day? And the answer was, because you fit the definition, you were progressively, that means moving towards, realization, that means it was coming clearer towards a worthwhile ideal, and it was done for the right reasons, and you were figuring it out, and yes, it took you a lot of time, and yes, do you think you could go through it all over again? And the answer is, I would not want to have to climb that mountain all over again. Um, But the reality is that's what successful people do, at whatever level. Now, he's always doing things to extremes, because that's what he sold himself on. He thinks big. But sometimes, whatever it is that makes you happy, so whatever it is that makes you happy is, I think, a personal decision. Now, what I'm, I don't know if I'm really good at this, but what I have found works well for me is how do I break through those inevitable, what seems to be, like how in the world does this fit into my definition of success? You know, where am I progressively realization? You know, what's this BS that I've sold myself on? Because i got to break through it. So I learned a little exercise um, that I'll share with everyone right now if they want to remember this. And I heard it a long time ago. Lots of people have it, so it's not mine. I'm just going to use my words. It's my 20 creative possible solutions method. And I called it that because there are 20 creative possible solutions. <laughs> so that was the name of it. What else would I call it, right? So it's 20 creative possible solutions. I needed to name it that way so I remember what the exercise was. And there are three simple steps. And for some reason, if, it, if you do it on paper, it takes it out of your head and puts it on paper. And it seems to be a little bit clearer for people like myself. So the first one was I had to state the problem. So state the problem. So you do it on paper. What's the problem? Then the second one you do is you put it in the form of a question. And the third one is to list 20 creative possible solutions. Now, I had heard that one time, and I think it was either from a sales trainer, Brian Tracy, or Earl Nightingale, and lots of other people have probably said it the same way. And I could never remember what they called it, so I said, that's not working for me. That's why I have to call it the 20 creative possible solutions method. But when they said state the problem, I had to take it down out of my head and put it on paper. I need more money, maybe. Or how do I get my sales reps selling, which was like in the in the problem portion of it was my sales reps aren't selling. Or <clears throat> how do I get my kid to clean his room, which is the question. That's like the second part. The problem would be my kid's not cleaning his room. So, and i got to step away from all the positive people, right? So all those positive people say, now, this is your style, right? So I'm allowed to have mine, you're allowed to have yours, we all live together. <laughs> but, but some people say, well, you're really kind of cemented into your subconscious mind when you call it a problem. You should call it an opportunity or whatever. And I said, listen, I don't care what you want to call it. If I don't have any money, I don't have any money. You know, this is a problem. You can call it. I don't care what you call it. Like it's a word. Like it's a word. We call it a problem. Sometimes words mean things. Sometimes words are just words and you kinda kinda know what the difference might be. So I said, I don't care what you call it, we're gonna state it. So I wanna make more sales. Or I want to uh have two more weeks of vacation or I wanna figure out how to get to Fiji, whatever it might be. And then the put in the form of a question. Now, I always like to give credit where credit is due. The first time I ever heard what I'm gonna say next came from a gentleman, Ron McMillan, co author of the book called Crucial Conversations and he said questions itch. The brain so questions itch the brain and I said I really like that so I always want to give Ron credit because that's the first guy I heard it from but it's probably been said by six billion people on this planet somewhere else as well but it's true questions kind of do itch the brain so when you say how do I how do I make more money how do I get that extra two weeks of vacation and that kind of itches the brain so you went from this closed concept to this open concept and then you have to list the 20 creative possible solutions on paper By the way, almost no one ever does this, and that could be the exact reason why it works for those people that do. So you grab your little black composition notebook or whatever you might be scribbling on and you start to write down the 20 creative possible solutions without judgment. So it could be, well, I'll work a little bit longer, or maybe I'll attract this, or maybe I'll do this, or do this, and maybe I'll give away this, or maybe I'll try this. And you know what I always found? That by the time I was done with my 20 Creative Possible Solutions method exercise, I had 20 Creative Possible Solutions that I put on paper so my visions were a little bit more crystallized, and many times the answers were there. Here's the deception. So I've got to tell you the good stuff and the bad stuff. Sometimes you'll find solutions right away, but if you really want the maximum efforts, do the 20 anyway. So you might find in the first five, you found two or three creative solutions that would work. But force yourself to do the 20 anyway, because part of it is being coachable. If the guy said it's 20, let's use the number 20. 19 might work, 21 might be okay, but let's use the number 20. What's wrong with that? I like to be coachable, because I think that is important follow the instructions of people ahead of you, even though you might be able to do it another way. So I said, 20 creative possible solutions works. It could be 19, it could be 21, but let's do 20. So I'd write them down. And as I was writing them down, almost all the time, invariably, I'd find something. And then I made it a almost like a habit or a game or just a cause, or maybe because I was talking to so many people about it, Dawn, I had black composition notebooks filled with 20 creative possible solutions, and it almost got to the point where I'd never go anywhere, still don't, without something to write down, so I could list the 20 creative possible solutions. So step one, state the whatever, problem, challenge, anything you want to move <laughs> down, right, for all those motivational speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is uh, put in the form of a question because you itch the brain. Number three, list the 20 creative possible solutions. And, like, if we take a look at Barb, and she was here she kind of did a lot of that stuff. She stated the problem, or she stated what she wanted. I want this job. I want to work for this company. How do I do that? And she did a lot of things. She these are these are the things that she did right. She applied everywhere she possibly could. Seventeen for physicians. Some of which she wasn't. Some of which she might not have wanted, but she wanted her foot in the door. You know what else could she have done? She she visualized it. What else did she do? She, she she worked at it persistently. What else did she do? She did a lot of those things to guarantee it. Now, she might have done it informally. If you do it formally by using the 20 Creative Possible Solutions method, then you give yourself a little bit more, and I'm going to tie this back to what I said a little bit earlier, responsible. You're responsible. You add more responsibility. You'll see that, wait a minute, this is more in my control than I ever thought and there's a few things that I know about my human nature, it might be for you too, is when I feel helpless is when I feel stripped of power. When I don't have the control, I don't need 100% control, but give me a glimpse of control. Get me out of here. Let me have control to be able to dictate my own situation, and then I'll build the next two to five years. So those are little exercises that I have used uh, for myself and lots of other people that I've trained that really do seem to work. Now, the fun part is people sometimes, you know, they work with me, and they say, what are you doing? And I say, well, I'm I'm running across a problem. I grab my little black composition notebook. I'm writing my 20 creative possible solutions method (laughs) down. And they're like, you do that? I'm like, what do you mean? What, what are you talking about? I... This is good stuff. What is Yeah, this is good stuff. Do you think I just spew this from my mouth just because I like hearing myself talk? This is for survival. This isn't an option for me. You don't understand. Like, I need to do this stuff. Like, they say, what did you just do? Like, they watch me physically sometimes. And I said, I stepped away the emotional roller coaster. They said, wait a minute, I thought you were tripping. No, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was stepping away from the emotional rollercoaster. Did you slimy slam that gate? They're like, what you do? Like They think I'm possessed. So I do those things. I don't know. It might be kooky kind of things that work for me. What I would suggest is you find out whatever might work for you. So that's the thing. Like It doesn't matter what works for me or works for Dawn or works for Barb. It matters what works for you. And then just have the power and the confidence to go out there and do it. So whether you hear it or not... You hear me doing the little clapper in the background, (laughs) knowing that someone's paying attention and someone's cheering you on 100% of the way.
0: So they're there and and it's working for you. You know, that's awesome because, and and let me just for a quick second here, for those of you who have an abundance of belief in yourself and you're struggling with how to pick, and I started, but I didn't finish. And I, I know we're getting close, so I want to lead you guys. And, and I'm going to go ahead and get in touch with him. But there is a brilliant author. His name is Kevin McCarthy, and he wrote a book called The On Purpose Person. And in that book, there is an exercise, and it's called the Core Wants Competition. That's what I called it. It's, he does it's. It's he, he supports you in figuring out what your core wants are. Like, what are the really Big ones, the things that mean the most to you. And then he shows you how to run a competition between them to land on the ones that are most important to you at this particular time in your life. And you can run this core want competition throughout your life anytime you want because your your core wants and your core requirements the things that are going to really make you happy at that particular time aren't going to be the same six months from now they're not going to be the same six years from now and they're certainly not the same you know like six sixteen 16 or 60 years apart you know we are always changing as beings and we're always thinking of something new and, and different things turn us on so You know, I really highly recommend, since we're pitching a book right now, since we said Napoleon Hill, who I'm currently reading to Think and Grow Rich, because that's actually, Peter said, just go get Think and Grow Rich and read it. And I think I read it 20 years ago, and I said, okay, and downloaded it onto my Kindle. Um, And I also am really recommending, uh, you gotta, gotta get your hands on the on purpose person and do the Core Want competition. If life is a buffet to you, (laughs) which it is to me, it will really help you go ahead and define, you know, what you want to go after right now. So, So, you know, this has been a really, really fun show. I like today. It was a good one.
1: Well, I like it because Barb got what she wanted, and that was
0: really cool. Yeah, she made my day this morning, so it's just been a really, really good day. I mean, I was telling Peter um, that I, for all of you listening, you know, I I have been in it with Barb for years and years of her having some really intense things that she's, she's faced and she's overcome, and so... It was just like I could not have been happier if that job was for me. And I told Peter that this morning when I I, I texted him instantly. I was hooting and hollering around my house. I am so happy for her. It is just the best thing that could have happened today.
1: And if it didn't, and if it didn't, which would have really been kind of sucky because we know Mm -hmm. she worked real hard at it. The good thing about it would be is we know that it might take just a little bit of time, and I think the key towards success is how much time does it take you to recover, but the reality would be I wouldn't be concerned with Barb because that's who Barb is. She'd find another way. Mm-hmm. I mean, she would find another way, and for whatever reason, she, because she's bringing her head together with her, it was going to work no matter what. So when you that's have great. that right attitude and that right mindset, it's really great that she was able to get it, but even if she didn't, I wouldn't be concerned. I would feel bad, you know, but those are the emotions. But the reality would be I'd still know that she's she would be okay because she's taking her head with her wherever she goes. So failure is a mindset, success is a mindset, and you get a chance to most of the times determine which one you want to be.
0: Amen.
1: So that's a good way to start or end this call.
0: Awesome, awesome place to leave off. And so for tomorrow... We're going to be back here, same time, same bat channel, and we are going to go ahead and get into a little bit more of how to go ahead and create everything that it is that you might be looking for to create for your own utopia. And we do appreciate you guys. We appreciate you listening, and uh, we, we may just have another fabulous guest tomorrow. So thank you, Darlene, so much for coming. If she's still here, we appreciate you. We appreciate you, Barb, and thank you so much, Peter.
1: It was a delight. (laughs) <laughs> Bye, guys.
3: Catch you on the other good Bye. evening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. With Lucky
2: Lands Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.